the rapture is coming. The rapture is near. Are you ready? Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised, I worship you. Welcome to Mysteries of the Kingdom, an on-air Bible study designed to prepare Christians for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Each week on this show, we share and discuss passages from the Bible about our present mission and the future of God's people, what will happen after the rapture, and beyond. Now, here are your hosts, Jordan Pine and Andy Balog. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our show. I'm Jordan. And I'm Andy. It's a blessing to have you join us today. If you're new to our show, here's what we're all about. We're about the prize instead of the gift. Now, there are plenty of preachers and teachers proclaiming the gift of salvation and continuing to spread the good news, and we praise God for them. However, that's not our ministry and not what God has called us to proclaim. Our ministry is not to the unsaved, but to the saved. Our message is not, believe lost man on the name of Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. It's repent, Christian, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Our focus is the prize and preparing ourselves and other believers to be able to receive it on Judgment Day. What's the prize? Entrance into and position within the future and literal 1,000-year kingdom of Christ Jesus our Lord. Please keep in mind, we do not support Christians using our ministry or any other radio or TV ministry to replace church attendance. Remember Hebrews 10.25 says, Not to forsake the assembling of one another. God has a reason for unity and fellowship. But on the other hand, Jordan and I know how hard it is to find a solid, meat-teaching church and how important it is for Christians to find a place where they feel their family is being fed correctly. But our goal is that you, the listener, can be influenced by our on-air Bible study and then use that to make an impact on your home church's pastor or study group. Okay, Andy, now to the meat of our lesson. Today we're calling the lesson The Great Parenthesis. That title is taken from a 1943 book by a theologian named Harry Ironside, who, along with Cyrus Schofield, popularized the idea of dispensationalism. Andy, can you quickly define the term dispensationalism for our listeners? Sure, Jordan. Dispensationalism is a timescale system where the Bible is considered to be deliberately divided by God into defined periods or ages, each of which God has allotted distinctive administrative principles. The Bible word dispensation means an administration of affairs, a stewardship, a mode of dealing. Each age of the plan of God is thus administered in a certain way, and humanity is held responsible as a steward during that time. Okay, so Pastor Ironside helped popularize that idea, which we think can be supported by Scripture, as we'll show today. More important, he helped Christians see that our present dispensation, the age of grace or the church age, was a special period in history. Yeah, Jordan, and he went further, suggesting you cannot correctly interpret prophecy without understanding this great parenthesis. We both agree and would also suggest you'll get confused when reading the Bible if you don't understand this. 
That's a great point, Andy. Simply put, in writing, the parenthesis symbol interrupts the flow of a sentence or passage and sets something apart before resuming what was happening before. And that's the idea here. The church age interrupted the flow of Israel's history, which will resume again with when this age is over. And we are set apart from that flow with different rules and different treatment. Okay, so Jordan, can you give our listeners some examples of how our rules are different? I can do better than that, Andy. I have a question here that we received recently from a faithful listener named Paul. By answering his question, we can demonstrate how understanding dispensations, and the great parenthesis, can clear up common confusion that arises when reading prophecy. The question is about Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46, which we studied back in episode 117. So let's start by listening to that passage from the Word of God. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come! You who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Matthew 25, 31-46 Okay, Andy, that's a tough passage to figure out unless you're rock solid in your doctrine and realize what this cannot be about. That's right. It cannot be about Christians because we cannot be saved from hell by good works. And you could see that in Ephesians chapter 2. And we cannot be condemned because of bad works. Also see John chapter 10 for that. If that just blew your mind, I strongly recommend going to MOTK.org and revisiting episode 117. Yeah, that was an eye-opening study. So listener Paul heard that episode, understood it, but then he got stuck when he revisited the passage on his own later. Here's a portion of his email as read by our sound engineer, Eric. Paul writes, What I found puzzling was verse 44. Lord, when did we see thee hungry, etc.? The Lord threw these folks into the lake of fire. 
MOTK has taught the saved do not go to the lake of fire, and only believers call the Lord, Lord. Andy said these folks were not saved because of faith, like during grace, but because they had to show their faith by works, because it was after the period of grace. Would that have anything to do with them calling the Lord, Lord? In other words, would that have given them a pass to call the Lord, Lord? Thanks, Eric, and thank you, Paul, for another great question. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll start by answering the key question that Paul asked. You're listening to Mysteries of the Kingdom, a weekly audio program about incredible things from God's Word you may never have heard before. If you're amazed by what you're hearing today and are hungry for more, we have great news. You can stream or download any episode of this show, past or present, at any time for free. To get access, simply visit MOTK.org and click subscribe. With your confirmation, we'll send you the complete series, 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. And we'll also start notifying you whenever we upload new episodes of our show. Just go to MOTK.org and click subscribe to get the 10 Mind-Blowing Things series and receive updates about our show. That's MOTK.org. Welcome back. Let's get right to it. The core of Paul's question, Andy, is... How can the goats call Jesus Lord when 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit? These people clearly aren't saved because they, quote, go away into eternal punishment, as the passage said. Well, Jordan, let's take a look at Scripture. What the full text of 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says is no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So, to establish our first point, we need to understand that this scripture was given during the age of grace. Okay. Right? This was directly meant for Christians, the age that we're in right now. And it's very cut and dry. You know, it's only by the Holy Spirit that is sealed within us, according to Ephesians 4.30, that any Christian could rightfully say that Jesus is their Lord. Right. And we can go back to scriptures like in, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, where you see where there's people at the door, at the threshold of the, the wedding feast, and they're knocking on the door trying to get in. And we've all established that these are Christians, and they're saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal the sick? And etc. Exactly. And Jesus says, but, you know, leave for me, you doers of iniquity, for I never knew you. And keep in mind, when Jesus said, I never knew you to these people, he wasn't saying, I don't know who you are. But what he was saying is when you look at the the translation in the Greek, he's saying, I was never intimate with you people. And it's the same word that's used earlier in the Bible when we read about Joseph and Mary and how Joseph did not know Mary until after she gave birth to Jesus. So we understand here that they're actually saying, Lord, Lord. And based on this particular scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, you know, and God is not a man that he should lie. And, and we understand that this is, you know, rock solid verse that we could stand on. To, to be able to support this doctrine, is that because they call Jesus Lord, we know that they're saved. On the other hand, we need to look at it from a different perspective. And I think the key thing we need to focus on right now is to see that these particular verses that Jesus is speaking of here in Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46, are these directed to the church or are these directed to the tribulation saints after the rapture? Yeah, this is an important question that you're raising, Andy, and it's this question of intended audience. So you mentioned the First Corinthians passage. Obviously, Paul's intended audience was the church because he was writing to a church. 
And uh, you also mentioned the parable of the wedding guest. And the parable of the wedding guest, you know, this is material we've covered in previous lessons. But whenever Jesus spoke in parables, he was speaking to the church. And he only spoke to the church in parables, and he spoke to the nation of Israel directly. So, you know, that brings us back to our passage. And as you mentioned, the audience is, is in fact, the tribulation saints. It's this idea of dispensation. Now we're outside of the dispensation of grace. We're outside of the church age. And, and when, when Jesus is speaking, he's speaking to a different audience, or the, the, the dividing is directed to a different audience, right? So when this dividing of the sheep and goats is happening, no one's able to speak by the Spirit, whether positively or negatively, because, this is a very important point, the Holy Spirit will no longer be with men during this time. Sure. This is after the rapture of the church, and the rapture of the church is really, as we've mentioned before, a recalling of the Holy Spirit. And because the Holy Spirit is sealed within us, Ephesians 1.13, when he gets taken off the earth, we go along with him. So the people that are being dealt with here at this dividing, the, the Holy Spirit's no longer there, so they don't call the Lord, Lord, you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit isn't here anymore. So we have to conclude that the, sh- the sheep calling him Lord is an act of righteous will, right? It's a sincere Lord that comes from righteous will. And the goats, they were using this term, let's say, to flatter or maybe even to plead, right? I mean, it, it's just a title in this context, like like calling someone an authority sir, for right, example. right. Or you go to court and you call the judge your honor, even if you don't really respect the guy or like the guy because you want him to rule in your favor. So you try to flatter him. I agree. You know, Jordan, some of our listeners might be asking themselves this question. How are these verses, how do we know that these verses are directed to the tribulation saints and not to the church today? And I think a good verse to look at is what Jesus said when it came to his word. He said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. It would always be around. So, you know, we can easily come to the conclusion that after the rapture and the church is gone off the earth, that his word, the Bible, will still be here. And that we have to assume that there's going to be people still having access to the Bible. And they're going to read these verses. And at that point, these verses are going to directly apply to them, these tribulation saints. So, you know, understanding that and bringing it all together... Let's look at what you mentioned earlier, and let's not forget how the passage begins. This is after the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, and then he will sit on his glorious throne. Hmm. So this is the magnificent second coming. Everyone will be calling him Lord after witnessing that. Yeah, good point. Good point. So this is one great example, Andy, of how understanding dispensationalism is the key to understanding prophecy and really the whole Bible. Miss it, and you end up reading passages like this one from Matthew 25 the wrong way, and then false doctrines arise. You know, soon you're teaching or preaching that you have to worry about being a fake Christian and can end up losing your salvation just because of a misunderstanding of a passage like this. And we understand how hard it is. Believe us, we understand. Uh, We've been there before. We get it. And we just give God all the glory that we've had this opportunity to be taught these truths. And without dispensation, you know, everything would be kind of confusing. There'd be overlays of different doctrines. Um, But glory goes to God, you know, understanding that there are markers in Scripture to understand who certain verses are spoken to. Now, they might be for our listening and for our, you know, being application in life. But at the same time, we have to understand if there's critical doctrine being spoken, like this question that Paul, you know, arised up, it's not directed towards the church. It's directed to one day the saints that will be on the earth during the tribulation. Yeah, and, and he's, uh, you know, rightfully so trying to use Scripture to interpret Scripture, but he ended up applying a, a um, church age rule, if you will 
that the only people that have the Holy Spirit can call the Lord, Lord, to a time when the Holy Spirit's no longer on the earth. And and really what it, what it boils down to, we talked about the intended audience. It's a very important question whenever you're reading anything in the Bible. Who is the real intended audience of this passage? You know, if it's an epistle, it's written to the church. If it's Jesus speaking in a parable, it's to the church. But also, you know, along with that is the question of where are we in time? You can always ask yourself that as you're trying to read and interpret scripture or prophecy. Right. Well, where are we in time when this is being said? And, and in this case, we are we're after the rapture during the end of the, at the end of the tribulation at the second coming. So the rules are going to be slightly different, which brings us to really like, okay, so you've mentioned dispensation, you know, guys, dispensationalism, what exactly are the dispensations? Can we break it down? And there's a typical seven different dispensations. Maybe you can go into that a little bit. So the first dispensation is known as the Age of Innocence, and this was during the time of Adam and Eve before their fall, and it ends with the expulsion of them from the Garden of Eden. And next would be the Age of Conscience, which is from the fall to the Great Flood, and it ends, of course, with the Great Flood, the worldwide deluge that uh, destroyed all of mankind except for the ones in the Ark. And the next dispensation is commonly known as the Human Government Age, and this occurs after the Great Flood of Noah, and it ends with the dispersion at the Tower of Babel. Right, next is the Age of Promise, which is from Abraham to Moses. It ends with the refusal to enter Canaan and the 40 years of unbelief in the wilderness. And next is considered the Age of Law. And this starts with Moses to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And it ends with the scattering of Israel in AD 70. Next is the age that we're in presently, which is called the Age of Grace or the Church Age. It's from the cross to the second coming. And then here's where some, you know, people differ, and we're going to differ a little bit here. It ends with the wrath of God comprising the Great Tribulation. Two points I want to make, Andy. One is that the law actually overlapped grace until Acts 28, 28. So there is a crossover there. And then secondly, that grace actually ends at the rapture, as we described, when the Holy Spirit leaves the earth, stilled inside of the church. And that's right before the Great Tribulation. Yeah, I mean, going to your first point, um, how the, the overlapping occurred, um, we know that there was a probation period. Good word, There's yeah. a 40-year probation between the, you know, the, the pre-grace period where God gave Israel or the Jews at the time a chance to repent. And we noticed that uh, because we see a lot of the miracles that were occurring that the apostles performed. And, you know, we know from Scripture that the Bible says that, you know, Jews require a sign and the Gentiles seek after knowledge. And we notice later on in a lot of the epistles that some of the miracle gift powers that the apostles had had expired. For instance, with Paul, we look at Paul, how he had the, the ability to be able to heal people. Right. Later on in his ministry, we see that even he himself was losing his sight, and there was um, his understudy Timothy that had some some stomach ailments, and at that time, you know, he was suggesting him to to drink some wine for his stomach. You know, people right. question why didn't he just heal him? And if if you look at it, you know, chronologically, we see that there was a forty year probation period. So yes, there is an overlapping. Um, and then you know, to your second point, we you know, there's a lot of people that have questions about you know. Well, What's the proper way to translate, you know, when the tribulation starts or so on and so forth? When does the kingdom come in? And, you know, we're obviously a pre-tribulation, you know, ministry. We understand that the rapture will occur because we understand that the the Holy Spirit will be taking off the earth before he, the Antichrist, is revealed to the world. Right. So in order for the Antichrist to come out in public and say, here I am, and that's when, the you know, obviously the tribulation period starts. First, the Holy Spirit leaves the earth. But as far as the Antichrist goes, I believe he's kind of a coward. 
Well, we talked about the Holy Spirit being a constraining force, and of course, that's the whole point. The Agreed. Great Tribulation is going to be at the time of Jacob's trouble. It's going to be a, a terrible time on the earth, and it's going to be because that constraining force is no longer on the earth. Yeah, great point. And, and yeah, yes, the first three and a half years are kind of be like a false sense of peace that right. this Antichrist brings to the world. And then, of course, at that point, we know that Satan gets thrown out of heaven. And then, you know, I guess you, for lack of a better term, all hell breaks loose. Right. And, um, and then we see God starting to judge the people of the earth for taking the mark and so on. And then finally, the last age is considered the millennial kingdom. And this is the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth that is centered in Jerusalem. And it ends finally with God's judgment on the final rebellion. Right, when Satan and his angels and everyone who was with him finally get destroyed, thrown to the lake of fire for good, because there's that whole thing about the, you know, Satan is bound for the thousand years, but then he escapes and makes one last ditch, and then God finally deals with him. And then really, you know, there is there are dispensations beyond that, you know, the kingdom of the Father, for example. Yes. We don't really have any really, you know, besides a, a quick mention in Revelation, we have no prophecy about that. It's sort of beyond the end, into the, into the fuzzy horizon for in terms of prophecy. So we have a good hold on these seven time periods, and then beyond that is eight, to whatever we don't we don't know eight to infinity it could be there could be seven more dispensations for all we know and jordan there is one mention of the kingdom of the father in matthew chapter 13 in verse 43 it reads then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father he who has ears let him hear so i think that's that's actually going to be a great segue for us maybe in the near future in the next few weeks maybe we'll start doing a complete tour of chapter 13 in Matthew yeah, because it's, parables. you know, it's chock full of uh, parables. Right. And I think that there's a lot of, uh, you know, revealing that God wants to provide for our listeners and for us as well. So let's look at a couple of, a couple of points, I think, also that, that we need to consider. Um, one thing I think that we need to always remember is that we are saved by faith alone. And works that we do after that is what earns us the reward. And that's there, the great thing about the age of grace. We have we have that right. Yes, exactly. So, you know, it's something to consider. Um, and, you know, they're not required to earn salvation from hell because Jesus did that work for us. Whereas, you know, the counterpoint is that during the tribulation, people will actually have to, because grace is, is no longer there, people are going to have to prove their faith by living through it for their salvation. Again, it's Israel. It's directed. It's that time clock that you mentioned that the last seven years, right. and um, it's it's when Israel has a chance to accept Jesus as their Messiah, the second coming of their Messiah. And and that's really what the Great Parenthesis is all about. It's this little bubble, this little interruption in the time scale and the history of Israel, where we have these special rules and we can be saved by faith alone, and we don't have to do righteous works just to be saved from hell. Our righteous works count as qualification for the kingdom. Yes, and, and that's the message here that, you know, we need to, in wrapping this up, to look at is that, you know, between the sheep and the goat, it's about what happens to the people who live through the Great Tribulation, period. Right. Um, those who side with Christ and lose their heads, let's say, for the sake, are considered the sheep. And those who side with the Antichrist and take the mark are obviously the goats. Great summary, Andy. That's all the time we have, unfortunately. Before we go, I want to remind everyone they can get this episode and every episode of our show for free on our website. All you have to do is go to MOTK.org and click on subscribe. That's MOTK.org and click on subscribe. And when you subscribe, we'll send you a link to a special series we titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Did Not Know Were in the Bible. 
It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining MOTK. Well, until next time, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We love you. And may God bless you. Thanks for listening to our show. This ministry was founded by the late Pastor Gary T. Whipple. Special thanks to the Whipple family and the members of the Lamp and Light Baptist Church. Special thanks again to Mark Leo of Abundant Life Worship Center in Piscataway, New Jersey, for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture readings. Be sure to join us next time when we explore the mysteries of the kingdom. All rates reserved, Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.